While the history of recorded music dates back to the mid-19th century, it was not until 1939 that a visual element was added to records with the advent of the album cover. Alex Steinweiss, a Brooklyn-born graphic designer, gave birth to the medium when he designed a boisterous yellow package to go along with a collection of songs from the Rodgers and Hart songwriting duo. Sales immediately skyrocketed with the creation of the album cover, and soon it became a necessity in the world of recorded music. Abbey Road, London Calling, and Enema of the State have become cultural touchstones upon release, and for a certain subsect of depressed teens stumbling through the digital stratosphere, Turnover's peripheral vision is every bit as iconic. Harsh realities of mental illness cloud this record. Big anthemic choruses and walls of guitars only do so much to soften the heartbreak that this album forces upon the listener. With an iconic album cover, a consistently great track listing, and flawless production, it is clear that Peripheral Vision is an art school album. I found the picture that we took when we brought in the new year. It's hard to see, but I remember. My guest today, someone I'm thrilled to have on the show, someone I can't believe agreed to do the show, uh, someone that I think is going to be a wonderful addition to the Art School Albums podcast. My guest today is Vale Olinger. Vale, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure, Vale. You are the only friend I think I've made in the past year. Um, and it's not like we're super close, but we did have a uh, Zoom class together in the pandemic school era. And every Monday night, I'd be like, damn, Vale is kind of cool as shit. Uh, and so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're on the podcast. I've recently had a string of guests that have told me before coming on this podcast, they have never listened to podcasts before in their life. I am curious what your relationship with not my show, I don't care about what you think about my show, but podcasting as a medium, what is your relationship with it? I listen to a podcast every night to go to sleep. So I listen, I listen to podcasts every day. Well, not like a bunch of different podcasts. I have like the same few podcasts that like lull me to bed, but I like podcasts. I like them a lot. Are you listening to the podcast specifically to put you to sleep or is that a result of the show being boring? <laughs> um, I'm listening to it. So what puts me to sleep, because I used to listen to stand-up comedy to go to sleep and my go-to is always like John Mulaney or Tom Segura. So I listened to Two Bears, One Cave because Tom Segura's voice kind of puts me to sleep. <laughs> and I've listened to all of his stand-ups so many times. I can like quote them as they go and it would end up keeping me awake sometimes. So I just listen to Two Bears, One Cave most of the, of the time or like a few other like skincare podcasts. A few skincare podcasts. Now this is a world that I'm not familiar with. Could you please describe <laughs> what a skincare podcast is? Yeah, so I listened to Glowing Up, which has Esther Povitsky, who is also who is a stand-up comedian. I'm a big fan. I love, yeah, she's so cool. Um, and I found out about her through starting to listen to Whitney Cummings' podcast. Mm -hmm. I like watch her on YouTube sometimes. Um, and then her friend, I can't remember her name right now, but she's cool too. They just talk about like, they talk, sometimes they talk about snacks or they talk about like skincare that they're trying out, like eat, like food trends, like stuff like that, just all over lifestyle things. And I just think that they're funny. I just love them. So. Well, that makes a lot of sense because one of the things that I wanted to ask you was you are someone with a very distinct style. Uh, I, I have, I, it's weird to think I've never, I guess, been in the same room as you. Uh, we've only been in the same zoom rooms, but I would imagine when you walk into a room, people uh, turn their attention towards you because you have a very distinct way of dressing. I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, I'm curious, where does that individualistic style come from? Um, well, today I'm wearing my Creation t-shirt. <laughs> Very nice. I thought I'd pull it out for this. Um, I think, honestly, it comes from my mom. Like, I'm at my mom's house right now, but I definitely think it comes from my mom. Everything is very, I like to be very sleek and comfortable. I do wear a lot of black, which I'm trying to get out of, but I do like looking like cool and chic and that's kind of how my mom is too that's like her whole shtick as well was that a big hurdle for you to climb growing up was there a point where you were perhaps too anxious or too nervous to fully I guess dress the way you wanted to and then over time you got more confidence or kind of out of the gates you were like no this is who I am this is how I'm gonna be 
Oh, no, definitely. I've been through so many phases in my life. This is more so what I wanted to be when I was like 13. Like how I look now is actually how it would look when I was like 12, 13 years old. Um, but no, I went through like a wook phase, like listening to a lot of EDM for a while. I was like in high school, I was very tan and blonde and I like straightened my hair and I listened to like more mainstream music. When I was like 13, I listened to like pop punk and like heavier stuff and like, like turnover. Um, so no, I've been through a lot of different phases to get here. Um, and sometimes I am still nervous to like wear stuff, but I think being in Chicago makes me more comfortable to wear that I want to wear what I want than it does to be in my teeny tiny 6,000 person town. Do you anticipate another drastic change anytime soon? Is this a timeline where six months from now, you're going to look completely different from how you look now? Or are you pretty locked in on this look? Um, that's a really good question. Cause sometimes I do think about that. I'm like, am I like, should I keep buying the clothes that I'm buying and like investing in pieces? Like I just bought like a really cool vintage leather jacket, which wasn't that expensive, but it's like a very distinct piece. Or am I gonna want to start wearing color, which I thought about. <laughs> uh, but I think it'll all stay pretty much the same. Like, I don't think I'll ever wear something that doesn't feel like me. Like if I don't feel like me in it, I'll take it off. Even if I was to wear just like this shirt, on a day that it just didn't feel like me, I would take it off and wear something totally different. Very interesting. As someone that has spent their entire life wearing baseball hats and hoodies, I don't necessarily relate to what you're saying, but I understand it. Uh, so thank you for taking me through that journey. It's funny you talked about your phases because I have in my notes as a question to ask you, and I, I did not know any of that information about you, but I had in my notes to ask whether or not you were a warp tour kid or not. It just seemed like a good way of getting to know you. So were you a warp tour kid or not? So I always wanted to go to warp tour so bad, but my parents would never take me. Um, and I just never had the money to like pay for it myself. Cause I was like 14, didn't have a job for sure. didn't have a car, obviously. So I always wanted to go to warp tour so bad, but I never got to go. I did go to Lala when I was like 12. How was that? It was great. I went to go see this art, this Russian artist named Curly, who I was really into at the time. <laughs> Did was, Curly kill it? Was that a good set? That was awesome. She's like this super cute, like bubblegum goth. I don't know if you know who she is, but no, but that description makes me want to check her out. That is something I need to look into. Like bubblegum electro goth, like shit. And I was really into it. Oh, can I cuss? I don't know. Yo, Vale, you can cuss <laughs> as much as you want. This is a safe space for you to fuck shit up. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very sick. Uh, I was looking through your Twitter a few days ago. It's a really excellent uh, an account on social media. And there was a, a tweet from someone else that posed the question, and I will quote this tweet where they say, your wife has been kidnapped and is being held in a location 30 minutes away. You're driving to rescue her. It's a warm night and your windows are down. Do you listen to music on the drive there? Yes or no? And you responded with a quote tweet uh, where apparently you had asked your partner and they said they would listen to Death Grips. Am I recounting this story correctly? Absolutely. Because I thought that that tweet was, that's such a good scenario. That's such a good question. Like, do you, are you like too anxious to listen to music or are you like trying to get pumped up? Like, I think Connor was, he was more like, I'm trying to get pumped up. Like, I'm going to listen to Death Grips. Like, what is it? Money Machine? No, not Money Machine. That's fucking Gex. But um <laughs> But uh, there are there are two artists that I absolutely know nothing about and Death Grips and 100 Gex are those two artists. I cannot help you with this situation. I don't, uh, like, I, I just missed whatever, especially Death Grips. Oh, no. I just missed that. Just wasn't on my radar. That's, no, that's totally fine. I'm not like a, I like Death Grips. I do. Like, but I'm not super into them. Like, I couldn't quote anything. I love Get Got because it gets me really pumped before work sometimes. If I know I'm going to have a hard day, I'm like, Get Got by death grips is my shit. Well, I wanted to flip the question around on you. Of course, I don't want anybody you know to be kidnapped per se, but if you're making a high-speed drive to save somebody, are you listening to music? And if so, what is going to be uh, the music that you're listening to? I think it would be, it would be Get Got by Death Grips. That is a, a one that gets me pumped up. Maybe it would have to be, I would have to make a playlist. I'm not even kidding. Like I would have to like quickly make a cue and be like, these are the songs that get me pumped up. So like, 
Death Grips, maybe something from Gex. Um, maybe I'm really into Tay Money right now. Okay. Guilty Pleasure. That's like, so it would just be like a conglomerate of things in that little circle. <laughs> Well, it's funny you mention playlist. Uh, you are someone in the brief time that I, I've known you, I feel like you are very good at curating playlists. And this band that we're going to talk about today, Turnover, uh, Spotify playlists as they've been discovered on have been playlists such as Surf Rock, Sunshine, Indie Rock, Road Trip, and Snowy Mornings, which is apropos for today. Vale, if we go to your Spotify, you have a few public playlists, including Rainy Day Commute and Uh... I'm curious if you have perhaps any embarrassing playlists tucked away in your private settings that you wouldn't mind sharing, uh, perhaps the name or the theme of them. I actually only have, it's only private because I don't want people to know that I'm listening to like Tame Money <laughs> on a daily fucking, on like a daily basis. <laughs> so that's the only reason why it's private. I do have, I have a playlist for my mom that's private. Um, it's just like dancey, like indie stuff for her to like listen to whenever she wants. I, I have a playlist called Fun Time, which was supposed to be like a party playlist, but that didn't work out. I think there's four songs on there. <laughs> Other than that, like, no, I just, just that. I have a few like liked playlists, but they're all like kind of sad. And then I have the playlist I made for class. Yes, that I, I was happy to collaborate on. Thank you for uh, giving or letting me give my input on the yellow wallpaper playlist, that yeah. thrilling short story from our American <laughs> authors class that we took last semester. Vale, yeah. you've talked about your mom a few times, and this question is related to her yet again. Growing up in your house, was it a very musical house? If so, what kind of music was going around? Who were some of the first artists that you remember being a part of your life? So... My the first artist I remember, I remember I loved the gorillas when I was little because I liked the music videos because they were cartoons. So I would make my dad play those a lot. Um, my dad is a huge slipknot fan, so lots of slipknot. My mom loves Madonna. Madonna was one of my first concerts actually when I was in fifth grade. I did get to see Madonna. Very cool. Um, New Order. My mom loves New Order, the cure. Um for some reason, Rob Zombie is coming to mind, but I don't think I could name a Rob Zombie song or anything like that. Could, could I name a Rob Zombie song is a better question. And I'm drawing a blank right now. I know friend of the show, uh, my friend Sean Sloan will be feverishly texting me with his entire discography because I can't think of it right now. And he'll be making fun of me, but that's okay. Uh, it sounds like uh, from what I gather, your mom is a very cool person if New Order and The Cure are on that list. Growing up in a house where Slipknot was played, how do we feel about that? Are you a big Slipknot fan, Vale? I, I do like, I like some Slipknot. I, it's not something that I would just turn on when I'm feeling like. I would <laughs> a never, nice like, leisurely start, evening with the band yeah, Slipknot. No, to like listen to Slipknot or anything. Um, but I do think that my dad listening to Slipknot influenced like my like pop punk, like wanting to be punk and emo phase that has obviously carried into adulthood but like started when I was like 12 um I kind of forgot the question but. no that's okay that leads me into another question I was asking kind of what artists were in your house growing up I think you adequately answered that you just threw out the term emo you are someone and perhaps this is unfair and you can and you can correct me if I'm wrong I feel like you're someone that at least at some point in your life was uh, deep into the throes of the emo rap genre is that a fair assessment you mean like suicide boys and stuff like that sure um kind of not really i liked little peep a uh -huh. lot not a, i don't want to like exaggerate it too much because i know that there's <laughs> people who are like really in it and so i'm and i'm not really in it i wouldn't say I, that I, I will say this when little peep died i know someone that got a little peep tattoo immediately to, yeah. yes uh, it might be the same person <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might be i think there were people from my hometown okay, it, gotcha. I, we also might know the same person yeah so. uh, um, yeah uh that's 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 fair i i was just it i it don't you seem like someone that was cool enough to get that sort of movement whereas i was like i i don't know i kind of miss the electric guitars uh but i would count suicide boys in that genre i no i didn't even like suicide boys though like i just know who they like um so I'm gonna say no I'm yeah gonna, I was not into it enough because I can't even rem I couldn't even name anybody right now I think that's very fair 
Well, Vale, before we talk about the band turnover, I want to ask briefly, uh, I guess, oh no, I guess we can get into it right now. This album, uh, Turnover's Peripheral Vision, it came out on May 4th, 2015. May 4th, 2015, do you remember what stage you're at in your life? What are you doing at this point in time? Was this an album that you discovered when it dropped or was it years later that you got into it? Yeah, so May 4th, 2015, I was either 17 or about to turn 17. And I was definitely not listening to this kind of music at that point in my life. I was, this was tan blonde. Gotcha. Much more mainstream, probably listening to a lot more rap music than like pop punk. And this was different. Like this album is like a shift from like the early stuff, which I listened to when I was younger. So I definitely didn't really love this album until last year. I think I listened to it closer to when it came out, but I wasn't in the right mood for it, you know? And then when I listened to it a year ago, it was like the perfect album for how I was feeling. And now it's like my favorite, one of my go-tos when I want to feel something. So, Well, five years later, if it's something that you weren't necessarily emotionally feeling at the time, this is a very broad question. I don't mean to get too therapeutic, but what changed in that gap to get you in the right mindset for an album like Peripheral Vision? So it's, well, at the time it was shown to me by someone I'm not really like close to anymore. Um, so it reminded, so, so it reminds, it reminds me of them who I still like, I adore this person. I adore that person. Like they're a good person, but we just aren't close. So it just came and resonated at that time for me. I'm trying to explain this as vaguely as I possibly can. <laughs> but so it was just, if you listen, it was just really perfect for that time. And I was I, I, yes. going through that situation like when I was like 17. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, I know exactly what you're saying and you didn't have to say it. So I think we're on the same page. When it comes to this album, uh, it was produced by a man named Will Yip. Does that name mean anything to you? Um, it didn't until last night when I was doing my research. And I he's in a, a bunch of bands that I listened to a long time ago. I can't remember who, though. Well, I'm going to give you a list because yeah. <laughs> I he was certainly on my radar somewhere if a band had announced, hey, we're working with Will Yip, it would immediately be like, oh, that's really cool. And then I was looking at just all of the albums that he's worked on last night. And this man is solely responsible for my entire music taste at this point. Bands like Modern Baseball, The Menzingers, Turnstile, Title Fight, Tiger's Jaw, Law Dispute, Pity Sex, and Mannequin Pussy. The list goes on and on. Will Yip is responsible for crafting their sounds in his little Sound Four studio in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And one of his finest works, if I dare say so myself, is Turnover's Peripheral Vision. Like I said, May 4th, 2015, the release date, 11 songs in 39 minutes. Real quick, my background with this album, it's one that it's an iconic album cover. Like I've seen this image just in my life so many times you know mm -hmm. with the hoteliers home like no place is there and um uh, you know the first american football album i feel like this album cover is just one of those that has a lasting legacy i know i would have heard this at some point because you know in 2015 at that point i'm deep into my folk punk phase which i don't know if you ever went through did you go through a folk punk phase um not that i'm consciously aware of <laughs> uh, you're better off for it yeah i think you made the right life decisions to avoid you that a few bands and then um, I ajj ramshackle glory days and days defiance ohio no yep okay no that makes sense you had friends in high school so you didn't okay. go through that phase uh but i did not so i went through that phase um but even by 2015 really in a modern baseball really under the front bottoms and turnover would have been in that scene so I, I knew this album and I feel like I knew some of the songs on it, but when you sent this album to me as the, the record you wanted to discuss, I was excited because it gave me an excuse to go back in and re-examine an album that I really didn't have any emotional attachment to. And what I found going through this album was, you know, painfully consistent is the word that I want to use where through these 11 songs, it's like, yeah, no, all of these are good. Uh, and there's there's not really any low points on the album. I think there are songs that are better, better than others. But 
normally we would just go through this top to bottom and and rattle them off that way i'm curious though because the album was just samey to me which i don't even mean as a knock it's just a lot of these songs sound the same and a lot of them i thought produced the same quality veil what is your favorite song on this album Mm, it depends on it depends on the memory that i have with it it depends on the like how i'm feeling and they're all pretty no they are they're all very similar but like i love cutting my fingers off very classic very good love humming is so sweet humming is so sweet it's the sweetest song on the album it's closer to um super natural and like the next album yes like kind of like when they're getting into that more like indie like sweeter um kind of phase take my head was so fun to see live that was really oh fun. okay well please tell me about your turnover live experience uh live experience or experience is if you've seen them more than once just i've only seen them once um they were touring with turnstile last year maybe the year before that um but no but it was really good it was so much fun it's one of those bands that i know like every word to every song so it, it's hard to not have a good time i was a little surprised by how old the lead singer is uh what's his name gets yeah 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 it might not be austin but i think it might be um but other than that yeah no great concert really good fantastic that's good to hear that's good to hear so your favorites on the album uh just to reiterate would you say cutting my fingers off humming and you had take my head is that sort of your top three on this record yes after much deliberation it is a solid yes from Vale. well if that's the case let's start with cutting my fingers off this is uh, the first song on the album it starts with a bang it starts with a sound that was very familiar to me as someone that uh, is not only a fan of this genre especially of this time period but someone familiar with will yip it had all of the hallmarks of these bright guitars and these big choruses and i thought this was just a terrific way to start the album both in terms of the sound of it and then thematically it's a whole record of battling mental illness. I think, is that a fair way of putting it? I think there's a lot of those themes that at least jumped out for me. Yeah, no, I would definitely, mental illness, like breakup, heartbreak, or yeah, I think just like all of those things, all the different emotions that come with all that. All the all too familiar emotions, if I dare say so myself. But yeah, it's a it's a tremendous way to start the album. It's a very a very straightforward song, and I think if you're someone that's unfamiliar with Turnover, especially this record, start at the top because look, you've got ten more songs that sound just yeah. like this. Yeah, they they do they do all sound very very similar. Like, and I was thinking about that when I was um, when I was listening to it earlier, because I got to dizzy on the come down and I was like wait I've listened to this so many times I but I but I don't know why I was like wait have I listened is this the end of the album I was like this is not I didn't think that this was that short I was very confused but because it does well, all sound kind of the same which again is not a knock I think if you do something well keep doing it uh why yeah. fix what isn't broken and that is certainly I think one of the the main points that I can take away from this record is why fix what isn't broken whereas like my knowledge of turnover for whatever reason again like I wasn't really close with this album and then I remember uh the the next record that came out which has that pink album cover on it I remember that being huge and it didn't it didn't totally grab me and then whatever they put out most recently I remember being like oh cool new turnover album and it didn't connect with me at all. And from the way you're shaking your head, you might agree with me. Yeah, I don't like their newest album. I do love Good Nature. Good Nature is like the pink and green you're thinking about. I like Good Nature. It's really, really sweet, but I don't really like, yeah, I don't like Altogether. Altogether is not that good. What's the disconnect there? Like what didn't grab you as someone that is a pretty big fan of the band? I, I only listened to it once. And so that's how I know it that's how I kind of listen to albums. I listen to it once. And if I'm not in the mood for it at that point in time, I could be in the mood for that album in like a year and then I'll love it. And I'll be like, this album's fucking great. Everyone needs to listen to it. But at the time it just, it was a little too, it was trying to be a little too happy. And what I like about Turnover is that they're kind of sad. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's a very fair way of assessing that situation. We move on to New Scream, which is track number two. 
which is a song about, you know, as they say in the song, craving that new scream. They kind of are dealing with the battles of boredom and plainness on the song. Vale, you're someone that, again, from, from how I know you, I consider you to be a very artistic person. I feel like I trust you in creative endeavors. With that, it can occasionally lead to being bored rather quickly with the mundane nature of life. Is that something that you're battling with a lot, just being bored in this thing that we call life? Um, well, it kind of depends. I'm a super, very extraordinarily anxious person. Okay. So I think sometimes things get overwhelming and then I and then I go into a place of boredom. So like, I'll get very, very overwhelmed. And then once I get over it, I'm like, oh, actually, is what, I like that feeling of being stressed and overwhelmed, I think. So yes, sometimes things do get kind of boring. Like when I, I used to want to be a fine artist and that's originally what I went to school for, but I figured out that I, I don't like working on something very long. Like I get very bored of the projects that I work on that's why I, I like to draw more than like paint or do ceramics or something like that. Cause I can whip it out just like that. So yeah, I do think I get bored pretty quickly. Not to, again, not to turn this into a therapy session, but you said something there that resonated with me because I grew up a very anxious child and still deal with it to some extent. But I, I feel like, especially over the past two or three years, I've been able to really move past a lot of that. But over this past week, my anxiety levels have been ramped up. And of course it's because of a woman, uh, but you know, I've just been dealing with like all of this stress and anxiety that I hadn't felt since high school. And it's exhausting. I hate it. Uh, it's just, I can't believe I used to live my life like this constantly 24 seven, but you're saying you kind of like that feeling of at least a healthy amount of anxiety. Yes. I definitely do like a healthy amount of stress because it keeps my anxious brain a little bit busy, but I, I definitely need to be medicated or something because I do get overtly stressed and it affects me. It makes me like feel ill or it makes my moods all weird. So there's a good, the, I make a good balance. <laughs> I don't, of course, of course, like anything in life, a good balance is necessary. Yeah. Is there like, do you know, is there one big trigger that, that, produces this anxiety is it a fear of failure is it a fear of death is it a fear of something that I can't even imagine <laughs> um when I was little it was a fear of death I like wouldn't go to sleep yeah right oh I completely understand yeah like second grade I had to start going to therapy because I was afraid <laughs> I was gonna die but <laughs> so um, uh, but, wow I completely understand that Vale. you are not alone <laughs> yeah so but now I think it is more a fear of failure I'm terrified of like, embarrassment I'm terrified of being annoying I'm terrified of like overstepping boundaries like I'm scared of a lot of stuff I'm very scared very anxious of most things and I think failure is a big one well Vale you're fucking crushing it on the podcast so far uh, if that makes you feel any better and turnover really crushed it with track three humming put this in the elite tier pantheon with green days redundant and the front bottoms cough it out as all-time great pop punk love songs this was my favorite song on the album it blew me away and you mentioned it was in your top three if i remember correctly yeah no i love the song it's definitely just very sweet it is it's like this it's like a sweet pop punk like little love song you're right and I was reading, I was reading reviews and Pitchfork gave this album a 6.6 .6 because it's not subtle enough. And I was like, okay, well, has that person ever listened to pop punk music? Nothing is subtle. It's like, nothing is subtle, but that has, anyway, this song is so sweet and I love it. <laughs> the person that wrote that Pitchfork review is a man by the name of Ian Cohen. He is perhaps the most knowledgeable person there is on pop punk and emo music. Uh, and I aspire to be him, but I, I was surprised to see his rating as low as it was given the reputation that this album has. That's something we can kind of talk about as we go to the end of the podcast. The subtlety point is interesting though, because I, I, I guess I, I wasn't really expecting this from the album. I don't know what it was, but listening to this, 
it reminded me of an EP that we re- we reviewed on the show about a year ago, which was uh, uh, from the band Wallows, who are like a cool, you know, girls really like them. They're like a pretty boy indie style of band. And I think a band like Wallows really plays up that pretty boy image. Turnover sounds roughly the same. I don't think they're doing anything to necessarily add masculinity or toughness to this record. I think they're just simply avoiding falling into that, that wallows boundary, but it was very interesting. Like, I don't, I don't know if you ever take notes of stuff like this, but when you saw them live, was it a heavy dudes crowd? Like, were there a lot of bros there? Cause I don't know if this is a band that like, I could see all of my homies listening to. Um, there was a lot of flannels, for sure. A lot of, flannels, <laughs> lots of original bands. Like there was, there was a lot of that. It wasn't as much as when I saw like microwave. It, mm. it wasn't to that level. <laughs> yeah. But also, Turnstile opened up for them, which I do think draws a different crowd than people. I'm shocked to hear they covers. toured together. Uh, that's a that's they a bizarre combination. Like early in Turnover, like they used to be a little heavier, so they toured with Turnstile like all around the Midwest or whatever like early, like 2010. I will let you in on a very embarrassing story. A few years ago at the Bottom Lounge, there was a tour that involved the bands Culture Abuse, who are now canceled. (laughs) Believe it or not, a band called Culture Abuse ran into some trouble. Uh, It was Culture Abuse, Touche Amore, and Turnstile. Touche Amore, one of my five favorite bands of all time, love them to death, Fail does as well. We talked about the new album when it came out. Culture Abuse, I was really into at the time. Turnstile for whatever reason, just wasn't into it when I saw this band live. So Touche Amore played, Turnstile was going on next. I left. I said, I don't need to see these guys. I don't like their music. It isn't for me. I'm sure they're fine, but it isn't for me. I now regret that decision as someone that has come around on Turnstile and especially seeing them live. Like, what the fuck was I thinking, Vale? Well, actually, I don't listen to Turnstile. (laughs) (laughs) Not to trick you, I didn't mean to fool you into thinking <laughs> yeah. I'm that cool, but like, no, I don't really listen to Turnstile that much. We, and we were late to see them open because we were like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care about these. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't really listen to them, but I'm not opposed to them. Like, I have, you know me, I have very few harsh opinions. So, like, <laughs> that's it's middle of the road for Vale Olinger. That is her deal. She sticks in the middle of the road. Uh, I'm curious, though, on this next song, Hello Euphoria, if you have a strong opinion, not necessarily on the song, although if you do, it is welcome. But I feel like you are someone that is a big fan of Euphoria on HBO. I could be assuming. I could be wrong. Is that a show that you're into? I like Euphoria. I like Euphoria a lot. It makes me cry a lot. It makes me very, very sad because it reminds me of someone that I uh, used to be friends with. But um, I like it. No, I like it. I love their makeup. Like I'm. I, you I, look I, like you could be in the show. Is what I'm trying to tell you. Like <laughs> if you were just like placed next to Zadea, I would be like, oh, Vale's on TV. That's so cool. Like that makes sense. <laughs> That's so sweet. That's very sweet. No, I'm definitely into like the makeup outfits. Um, art direction, sick. Like very cool show. Well, unless you have anything else to say on Hello Euphoria, we can move on to Dizzy on the Come Down, which is an all it's an all-time great song title. I was prone to liking this song just because of how it was named. I will say, although it is their most popular song over 25 million streams on Spotify, it maybe got a little too soft for me. base here can you uh, perhaps defend your stance on this song just a little bit it is a little soft but if you went I, so I can see if you went into the expectation that like Dizzy on the calm down like it's going to be kind of like a more like not upbeat but just like a harder song like a more fun song to listen to then it would be a little disappointing I thought it would have some edge to it yeah there's definitely no edge it is a sweeter it's a sweeter song on the album even it's very it is deceiving I'll give you that it's I the the note that I had down was it almost reminds me of like a more mature plain white T sound or something, which again is not is not bad. I liked this song. I liked this album. There were times though where I was like, damn, this is really soft. Like I know people that like this album and listening to it now, 
I can't believe they like this album. It seems like something that they just, it would be off their radar because it, you know, would it be punk enough or whatever? And this was the one that really jumped out at me, given that it was the most popular song, I guess in a, in a sense that tracks, you know, it, it is probably the most accessible, the most pop friendly of any of the songs on this record. But for me as, you know, someone with a little bit of an edge veil, I don't know if you've noticed, but I am not like most, most guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was wanting something more, something tougher, maybe. Yeah, no, I totally, I absolutely see where you're coming from. And the point of like people who are more like a little into more like hardcore, like punk stuff that like this album, I think I was thinking about this last night because I couldn't remember if I liked Turnover when I was younger because 13 to 15 is a little blurry for me personally. And and it is for all of us, don't worry. (laughs) Like it is for all of us. So I was like, did I listen to Turnover then? So I listened to, I listened to their almost entire discography, like up until this album. And if you liked them then, and you matured with them, I think you'll like this album too. If that makes sense to me, like that's how it went. It does. And so something I was going to say for the the end of the podcast, but you brought it up now. And I think it's a, it's a good time to bring it up, especially because we're roughly around the halfway point. I think there's a lot of albums and we've talked about a lot of albums on this show that show signs of growth that people brought in these albums because they represented almost a new start in their life. It was something that they could really relate to as the new person that they are. This record is one not of growth, but of growing. Like it sounds like they are in the thick of it during all of this. And it's very interesting to listen to. I, I'm surprised now that I didn't listen to it more in high school when I was a mess, more so than I am now, because it seems like it would have been right in my ballpark, but I just missed it in 2015, and I'm kind of disappointed about that. No, I definitely I, I definitely agree, um, and it is kind of like they're in the thick of it. It's a very middle point to their self-titled EP, and like you can hear, I can hear like parts of the self-titled EP in this too, which also could be why I liked it so much because it like felt that little vague memory in the back of my brain from being like 13, 14 years old and being like super like macabre and whatever in high school. Did you say I'm a cob? Macabre, is that the right word? Oh no. Macabre? Macabre, I think it means like dark. Uh, you know what? That sounds right. I, I'm going to take your word for it. You're smarter than I am. So I, that sounds, Veil, uh, uh, the fun thing about me is that I'm actually very stupid, but I did enjoy this next song, Diazepam, which speaking of, uh, we were talking about medicine earlier. Uh, this is a song that, you know, the, the title of the song is, is Valium uh, by another name. The opening lines in the song, your father doesn't like me because I'm not into sports and your mother won't approve because I'm not of the cross. I took an upper before your sister's wedding just to help me pretend. That's dark. And that is a fun way to start a song. This was a very enjoyable track for me. I love, I love this song. I love those lines too. Like that's so, like that's what you think of when you think of like, it kind of reminds me of the All-American Rejects um music video for gives you hell like you're speaking that- my language go on veil i'm so excited <laughs> that was my favorite music video when i was younger i had that like on my square ipod and i would listen to it all the time like i love that song um because it's like that like the punk guy like the rock star and then there's the like very square like suit the clean cut guy yes yeah, like the clean cut guy um so i don't know why that rem- like that reminds me of that your father doesn't like me because i'm not in sports because that is kind of like the tumblr emo kid is like all those boys always wanted to date cheerleaders even though cheerleaders were the ones bullying them so it's like (laughs) and that was like my experience and I like when I was younger and like all my guy friends were like very tumblr were toms we would play guitar in a cemetery at night like that was our vibe when I was in late middle school early high school and but they always like thought like really pretty like uh like blonde cheerleaders type of girls are the hot ones. And that's kind of what that reminds me of. Gives can me I, that. can I ask, and I, and I apologize if this is uh, in any way an insulting question, but you've mentioned your tan blonde phase in high school. Was that at all directly related? Um, that could have been, I think that was more so 
Actually, I don't know what that came from. <laughs> yeah, I'm was... not actually too sure. I just went through so many phases. And like I said, 13 to 15 is pretty blurry. And that happened when I was like 16, 17. I think I just got new friends. It, they were, it was just new friends. I got closer to different people. I started hanging out with more popular, sporty kids. And it's just what I turned into. Well, when I think of Vale Olinger, I think sporty. So that makes sense. Uh, I'm curious about your relationship with the website Tumblr. Were you big into Tumblr as a teen? And if so, please describe your Tumblr Tumblr highlights. Oh, I love Tumblr. Spend hours on my family computer on Tumblr. My parents had to put a passcode on the computer. Like I spent way too much time on that, that godforsaken website, honestly. It's so bad for my mental health. Like maybe the very romantic mentally ill person that I am <laughs> but but it was definitely I should not have been on there I shouldn't have been on there highlights though um it definitely changed like Tumblr when I first got on it was a lot of memes it was mm. a lot of memes it was a lot of like I would fuck pizza and eat bacon all day and like <laughs> it was like that and like I wear toms and I want to and I listen to like what did people even listen to then? Like, like the Arctic Monkeys. Modern, yeah, like Arctic Monkeys, Lana Del Rey, and then, or like uh, Front Porch Step or like the Front Bottoms and stuff like that. That was... <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> like Isles and, or like Isles and Glaciers. I was really into Isles and Glaciers when I was on Tumblr a lot. Um, loved Bayside, ah. stuff like that. <laughs> oh, that, that oh, is... Oh, sleeping with sirens, dude. That was Tumblr. <laughs> That's huge. That sleeping with sirens, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, not only for Tumblr, but just the person you've evolved into at all. Makes sense now. I can see it clearly. The rain is gone. As we move into the back half of this album, like slowly disappearing, Vale, did you uh, perhaps notice a hidden message in the title of like slow disappearing? No, I'm not that observant. What is it? It is LSD. Oh. Oh, you think this is about drugs? I can't remember. I, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I would take a stab in the dark and say that this is not only uh, a song about drugs, I would say this is a song about recalling a trip on LSD with a girl. That is at least what the genius page, when I looked up the lyrics to the song, that is what the genius page told me. To me, it is the best song ever written about being on LSD because it is better than anything the Red Hot Chili Peppers have ever done. And that's not necessarily a shot at them, but that's the world we live in. Like so disappearing. Oh, let's see. What are the lyrics? What 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 lyrics made you think that? Oh, that is such guess... a that is such a loaded question. If only I had the lyrics up to hold on. answer. I'm that. I'm gonna I'm gonna read them. Not to you, but hold I on. You can read them to me. I don't care. Three, yeah, three sixteenths of an inch disappear right behind your lips. We were waiting and watching the light in the sky, and it hurt my eyes. Okay, yeah, no, it's definitely about drugs. You're right. Increase of the cagey heads and got tangled and lost further into it all again. And I was afraid you were glowing like a most relieving light. You were my revealing light. I love, I love those. See, the, all these songs are actually kind of sweet. They're like sad, but they're sweet. <laughs> I think that's life though. It's, you know, we're, I, I, at least I am, you know, as a Smiths fan and dare I say that publicly, but I'm chasing some horribly uh, depressive romantic aesthetic that if only I could accomplish that veil, all of my problems would go away. And you better damn believe if I could find a relationship that would fit into a music video like Slow Disappearing, I would take that relationship. I mean, you should have been on Tumblr because that would have helped a lot. I, I should not have been on Tumblr. I like... I, I definitely made an account and then it was like, I don't, I don't think this is the website for me. I got really into Pinterest a few years later, like as like a junior and senior in high school, I was like, Pinterest is cool. Cause I can, I like, I can be weird on this website and there's no pressure. Like everybody keeps Pinterest pretty straightforward. I'm going to have the weird Pinterest account though. Uh, but Tumblr, Tumblr never, never did anything for me. It was too daunting of a website. And I think I would have been grossly obsessed with it had I even had any interest in doing so. Oh yeah, and it would have just made you sicker in the head. That's what it did to everybody. And Vale, I'm already so... I feel like it just made like me and all of my friends like really romantic and it made us like it made you romanticize like really awful things. (laughs) It does make life a little bit 
easier if the bad things are happening to you and you can just kind of romanticize it, but it's not good. And I probably shouldn't say that on a podcast that's going on the internet, but don't romanticize bad things, but. Life advice with Vale. Don't romanticize bad things. That's good advice. Vale, you mentioned this next song, Take My Head, was very fun to see live. I think it is maybe the darkest song on the album, if I if I say so myself. You know, uh, cut my brain into hemispheres. I want to smash my face until it's nothing but ears. I want to paint my dream with a little red stain tonight. Take my head because it's all I want. I want to fall asleep with the TV on. Let the house burn down until it's gone with me inside. Vale, let's not romanticize bad things here. This is a very scary song. I don't. See, when I sing it to myself in the car, I don't find it really that scary. And it was, it was so fun to see live. It was like basically the only song that you could like technically kind of mosh to at that whole concert because it was a good nature show, but, and they did play some songs from this album. Um, and I remember I was with this, I was with uh, one of my friend's friends and I'm not super close with her, but she's more, she's into way, 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 way heavier stuff. And she was like, I don't understand why people are moshing to this like you can't mosh this and I was like you can mosh to anything I was just like pissed I was like and just got out of a mosh pit like a, a very calm one it's not anything too crazy but you got to introduce me to this Fred she sounds delightful uh <laughs> what a what a what a woman uh that is that is good stuff that is a very fun song and then from there we hit an instrumental with threshold and then we come out of that with I would hate you if I could and we talked about romanticizing bad things about a month ago on this show. I built someone a playlist of what I deemed male manipulator music. And I asked them if it, if it seemed fit. And I am coming back to that question on, I would hate you if I could. I Would this fall under the umbrella of male manipulator music? Um, I mean, maybe, but I really like it. So maybe I'm the male manipulator. <laughs> the plot twist we did not see coming, but it is very possible. This is a, uh, I choose to think this is a funny, self-aware song about a guy just in the throes of a breakup where he's not, you yeah, know, he's, he's in the stages of grief and he, he's kind of in between stages. Yeah, like who, I mean, maybe I am the male manipulator, but like, who doesn't feel that way? Like, like, I would hate you if I could, but I can't, I can't hate you. Like, you weren't a bad person. Maybe I can't remember all the lyrics. Maybe he does say she's a bad person, but like, you weren't a bad person. It might be my, it's probably my fault. I would like to blame you, but I can't, you know? I, I think it's a, it's a therapeutic song. It's one that was probably written down in a journal uh, in confidence and then made its way onto the album. And I don't think that's a bad thing because again, I think yeah. it's a very good song and I don't think it's dark, especially once we veer into this genre, things could go real bad real quick. But I think this is a fine song and I think it's, it's one of the higher points on the album. And Vale, if you're ready... We can talk about the final song on the album. Is there anything you have to say on I Would Hate You If I Could? Um, other than I just, I do really like it. And maybe it is my manipulator music, but. It's but that's Veil for you, it's so deal song, with man. it. Yeah, that's just me. I, it's a good song, man. Just listen to it, I guess. Well, <laughs> that leads us to Intrapersonal, which is essentially the conclusion uh, both from the literal sense of it is the final song on the album, but from a grammatical sense, it is certainly the conclusion on this album kind of wraps up these ideas that we talked about. Mental illness, breaking up, I think growing instead of growth, that it all kind of comes together for what I felt like was a very anthemic final song. And a lot of the albums that I, that I talked about on the show, especially ones in this genre, I am often left feeling disappointed with the final song because you know, in the case of like Weezer's Pinkerton, they'll go to some acoustic nonsense when the entire album was energetic rock songs before that. I get annoyed by that, but I feel like they landed the plane. They did a good job. This is a strong closing track, in my opinion. Do you agree? I agree. I really like, and I think it does. It wraps like, because it is all intrapersonal. Like it's all in you and like with like mental illness and stuff. Um, obviously get outside help when you can and if you can like go to therapy if you can but it's if you can it's I get it um but it is it's all like intra intrapersonal like it's all in you and you just kind of have to 
figure shit out. I guess. Uh, that's, no. that's what that's what life has become. Figure shit out. Yeah, you just gotta figure shit out. But no, it's a really it's a good way to end an album about all these different topics. I think it puts a cap on it. It's well done. Yes. Vale, that is that is turnovers peripheral vision like i said 11 songs at 39 minutes the reviews which we talked about a little bit earlier a 6.6 out of 6 from pitchfork 3.5 out of 5 from all music and a 9 out of 10 from exclaim i'm not going to ask you to rate the album but i am going to ask you my final question that i have for you when you think about turnovers peripheral vision who needs to hear this album and why i think people who if you've just gone through a breakup, great album. It's a good, like, it kind of, when I listened to it, it made me feel kind of warm and like, I like it. It never, whenever I listen to this album, it never makes me feel sad. Like it doesn't put me in a mood. Um, I kind of stay in like that even kill emotional sort of thing that I'm probably already in. Um, but yeah, if you're going through a breakup, if you like, if you liked pop punk music and now you're maybe more into like, some like shoegazy indie stuff like yeah like listen yeah listen to this album it's great a perfect description for what has been such a fun episode before you go is there anything you would like to plug anything i would like to plug oh yeah my God. oh i don't do anything right now um i don't know you can follow me on instagram sometimes i do makeup it's Vale Olinger. It's just my name. <laughs> so. It's a very good Instagram account. I would highly recommend it. Vale, thank you so much for joining me. I'm on both Twitter and Instagram at underscore caselow, C-A-S-E-L-W-E. The podcast itself, if you want updates on the show, but not my life. First of all, rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen. But also, if you just want more about the show, at Art School Albums on Instagram. Vale Olinger, thank you for joining me on the Art School Albums podcast. This has been Turnovers Peripheral Vision. Mm-hmm.